Welcome to another Art of Relationships podcast. Uh, Tim, I'm looking forward to today because it's an amazing topic that we have, and this is going to be on spiritually defending your marriage. Right, a topic uh, that uh, just shocked that not many people talk about it. Yeah. They certainly talk about spiritual battle. We, yeah. we get that a lot, though not necessarily from the pulpit. We should talk about that a little bit. But, but as it relates to our marriages, as to our relationships, there's just very few books that are specifically about spiritual battle in marriage, which is surprising to me. Yeah, I'd love to talk about things like, uh, why would Satan care about your marriage, right? (laughs) Right. We can't even pay our bills. Why (laughs) does Satan care about the Mulehoff and the Grace family? My gosh, right? (laughs) You might have bigger things to to do. See, Armageddon or go after the Mulehoffs. You know what I mean? That doesn't make sense, but that's a good topic. And yet, uh, it's a topic a lot of people face, and, and one of the things I'd love to be able to do is talk about, well, what kind of plan would we have if they're really is this battle yeah, that yeah. we're facing? We need to approach it uh, with all eyes on uh, the the prize, but also being fully aware of what's going on. And maybe yeah. awareness is one of those keys. So I'm really looking forward to this topic. Yeah, it's great. You know, what's funny is um, when some people learned that we were going to do this as a topic, they were almost like, "Oh, do you really want to do that?" Mm. Kind of like we're opening a door. So there's so much misinformation and weirdness about this yeah. topic yeah. that I think the Apostle Paul and Jesus would be shocked yeah. that that we're not reading what they said about these important issues. Yeah, so you start, uh, and and you've recently did a lot of research and writing on this, and in fact, a book, Defending Your Marriage, is is about to come out, and it's called, the subtitle is The Reality of Spiritual Battle. So tell me about that, why that, what is the reality of the spiritual battle, and why did you choose that as a subtopic? So something happened, and Chris, I know you and Elisa speak at a ton of marriage conferences, so, uh, and I don't know if you've had this experience, but like, we're we're getting ready to go to a marriage conference and that one of the kids gets sick our sitter our trusted sitter cancels last minute now we're scrambling to get child care and that night our, our kitchen sink starts to leak again and so we're just looking at this going this is craziness so we, we you know we're dealing with all these issues we drive to lax which is my gosh you're talking about satan occupied territory is lax <laughs> and, and then we fly out but when we get to the conference we, we go early to do a microphone check you know you've done this and and we're sitting there with the uh conference leader and we notice that people are, are praying over empty chairs like like this auditorium about 800 person auditorium and i say to the conference director i said hey what are they doing and and he said hey they're praying for the people that are going to be in those chairs because we know spiritual battle is about to happen this weekend and i just chris i just looked at this guy like really satan's going he cares about this marriage conference and the guy said to me oh tim you'd have to be naive to believe that lost luggage traffic delays technical problems you think that's just coincidence satan really wants to disrupt What's about to happen? And Chris, I got to be honest with you, it was not a blip on my radar. Mm. I was not thinking like that. So as we're heading back to our hotel room, I said to Noreen, hey, doesn't it make sense that if Satan is trying to get at the people that are attending this conference, he'd go after the people speaking? And then I said to Noreen, so do you think that leaking pipe, (laughs) is that just a leaking pipe? Or do you think demonic activity? Mm. The fact that one of our kids got sick. And I honestly didn't have an answer to that. And that's why I decided to write this book called Defending Your Marriage, mm-hmm. because I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you, like, so let's say, what happens to you and Elisa usually when you're heading off to a conference? Do you experience like things that just try to derail you as you're about to speak? 
Well, yeah, it would be uh, naive to think that uh, we would go unscathed or mm. anybody would go unscathed in this thing. I, I do simply feel like you that um, this is a topic that is not addressed enough, but it has hit home for us many times mm. when we think about going into that fray because we feel like there's you're going into certain areas of, of territory that um, – we as believers uh, have authority to pray about and for. And so I would say we have felt it many times, Tim, where we're getting ready to get up there or we're traveling out to this talk in the middle of an airplane, <laughs> uh, you know, in rows 12A and 12B on the airplane. We're sitting there debating and arguing about oh, something with the kids yeah, or yeah, some strange yeah. thing comes up like, yeah. wait, 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 what's going on here? Why now? Why is this happening? So, and, and the other thing is that some people like those that were praying for this conference that you mentioned mm -hmm. walking around and to each individual chair yeah. and and praying over yeah. it. it's a pretty powerful way and approach to be able to deal with this which is one of the main tools we have isn't it and we'll talk some yeah, later we'll talk on about, about prayer, yeah. Ephesians and prayer and some of the people around here that really have been able to think through this from a biblical standpoint and provide resources and ways that Jesus has given to us to attack this. So, But here's the reaction I got from people, Chris. When I started to research this, when I started to think about this and write about this, here's the reaction I got from people. It almost was like um, they were afraid to overreact. Mm -hmm. like, they were gonna, like they were afraid to say, okay, so if you think a demon is causing your pipe to maybe leak, well, then well, where does this stop? Yeah. I could attribute everything then sure. to demonic activity. And remember that great C.S. Lewis quote? Mm -hmm. Lewis said, there's um, two mistakes we tend to make about Satan. One, we attribute absolutely nothing to him, mm -hmm. or we attribute everything to him. And he mm -hmm. thought that both of those mistakes were going off the rails. So, I, I, I feel that. I, I'm like, am I really prepared to say that maybe a leaky faucet or a child getting sick is demonic activity and what criteria would you ever use mm -hmm. to know if that's the case and mm -hmm. so i think a lot of us myself included it's like i don't even want to open this door mm -hmm. i would rather really not think about this because then this becomes personal and if satan is real my world's about to change mm -hmm. and I, I can feel that tension from people sometimes yeah and and there's a deeper history here tim i think that you're alluding to throughout all of christianity the very idea of of this separating us out from you know some organizations or some churches or some of these different let, let's say um christian um writers and even mm -hmm. researchers and thinkers and theologians differ on this right how much do we attribute to uh the spiritual side or uh, the spiritual nature of this and and so all of the work that's been done we don't have time to go into that but you mentioned cs lewis oh my goodness. And, but there are so many others who have written and talked about this but one of the problems has been tim that there really uh, doesn't seem to be a whole lot out there as you mentioned on the topic related to relationships or related to marriage. And so I think that's maybe why you've decided that this book would be so important and why we've decided to even put a conference on on this because couples are asking yeah. for it and yeah. looking for it. Um, and that area, uh, there's not a lot written out there. And so let's talk about it. Which is crazy. Uh, uh, Chris, imagine the Apostle Paul goes to a marriage conference, a, a Christian marriage conference, and he walks in and he stops at the book table 
And he just says to the woman running the book table, hey, I'm just curious, where's the section on spiritual battle? And the woman looks at him and says, yeah, I, I, we don't have a, a section for spiritual battle. And he's like, really? Mm-hmm. And then he walks into the conference. He takes the manual that they give him, right? And he opens it and he's looking for a lecture specifically on spiritual battle and marriage. There's none. Yeah. I think Paul would walk out of there and go, hey, have you not read my letters? Mm. Have you not read uh, Ephesians, uh, the letter to the church at Ephesus? Now, the great thing about being at Biola University, Chris, is we have great theologians who have thought about this. One is a dear friend of ours, Clint Arnold, mm-hmm. New Testament scholar. He's the head of our Talbot uh, seminary. And he says this. So I read a book by Clint Arnold about Paul's handling of the powers of darkness. So just the letters of Paul. And this is what he said. This really hit me, this quote. He goes, on this topic, whether Satan is real or not, some of us suffer a double-mindedness. Although mental assent is given to the likelihood that evil spirits exist, since it is affirmed in the Bible, in reality, it makes no practical difference in the way we live our day-to-day lives. Mm -hmm. Wow, that convicted me. And I think that's probably true of a lot of Christian couples. Mm -hmm. Ask them if Satan is real. I think they're going to say, well, yeah, I mean, the Bible talks about it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then what do you do on a daily basis or in your marriage to deal Mm -hmm. with it? And that's when I think Chris would get Darren Headlights look. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we don't do anything when it comes to spiritual battle in our marriage or parenting or families. Well, uh, Tim, so let's talk about then some of the different ways that this uh, can come into play and and some of the things you discovered and then some of the things that we've all been uh, trying to figure out. How do we not fall into either trap, that is the side where we're completely oblivious to the battle going on, or we see, uh, you know, as the old saying goes, a demon under every (laughs) rock, right? How do we uh, walk in a place where we're doing this in a way that is is aware of the reality of that spiritual battle. It seems to me that we we start with a clear understanding, and you've done this, I think, real well, is saying, listen, uh, not every problem that you have in your marriage is going to be attributed to some spiritual nature, but you'd better be aware that Everything about this marriage is important to yeah. God. God's yeah. designed the marriage. God has gets yeah. glory in this marriage. In fact, God says he inhabits where two or three are gathered together in my name, but also yeah. this idea of a strand or a cord of three. And if that is indeed the case, if our marriages bring God glory, if yeah. they're done well, then one of the purpose one I guess one of his main purposes would be thwarted or attempted to be if our enemy could get in there and destroy this relationship or this marriage, right? Yeah. I mean, go back to the garden. Why would Satan care about Adam and Eve? Mm -hmm. Right. What does he care that God has made two human beings? Satan is an angel, Mm -hmm. right? But he wants to get at Adam and Eve. He wants them to rebel, to turn their back on the creator. But why? Why would Adam and Eve be of any importance whatsoever to Satan. Why not Satan just go directly at God and have an angelic war of some kind like he did when he was banished? Well, the answer is because Adam and Eve were to reflect God's goodness. Mm-hmm. They, they together, male and female, were to reflect his love, compassion, mm-hmm. the imago Dei, the image of God. And so Satan really can't hurt God, mm-hmm. but he wants to hurt something that is deeply important to God, mm-hmm. and that are two human beings in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, fast forward to 2008. Now Satan looks at Christian marriages in particular and says, I want to destroy Mm -hmm. the image they're supposed to bear of God's love, goodness, grace, and things like that. That's why I think Christian marriages in particular 
are targets of Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the big question becomes, well, how does he do it? Mm-hmm. Right? And we've all seen these crazy movies, right? The Conjuring, or where, where um, a person levitates, their head rotates 360, they speak in guttural Latin voices, right? So, if it was that obvious, then I think everybody would say, well, yeah, mm-hmm. obviously spiritual battle exists because, my goodness, I'm seeing it in front of me. But a great lesson is learned from um, Sun Tzu and the Art of War. It's a book I read thinking if Satan really is waging war against God, I wonder if he didn't take a page out of Sun Tzu's Art of War book. Because John says something very interesting in 1 John 5, 19. He says, the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Man, think about that for a second. So, how might Satan seek to impact our marriages through culture, through um, uh, body image issues, how we handle hurriedness, technology? You know, a ton of the stuff we've talked about on this podcast, Chris, I I think Satan is using all of this stuff as tools to separate couples. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's using this. Uh, we, I think we can agree that Satan cares about marriages. I, we, we, we agree, and, and I think most listeners can say, yeah, mm. that makes a lot of sense to me that, um, that there is an enemy whose sole purpose is to disrupt God's plans and purposes to bring glory to himself in some way. And, and so he cares about this institution. Yeah. Uh, he cares – I, I you know, we could debate whether or not is it a better thing for him at the end of divorce or just simply living in a marriage that's oh, horrible yeah. and rotten and is not a model to anybody, right? So he cares. I guess the question that's going to come up for a lot of listeners would be, all right, great. I, I buy the argument. I understand it. I believe it. But how can I tell that this, if this is really spiritual, or how do I know? How can That's we really tell good. together? What, That's what, really good. What are the signs that we may very well be facing this? So, for us in our marriage, I would say, uh, for Elisa and I, one of the things that we will notice when it feels like there is more of a potential for spiritual warfare is when. Um, the common everyday frustrations are going to still be there and the stressors, and but they seem to have a different element. We've been praying about something or we are committed to doing something together and we're growing in a way and, and, and all of a sudden it seems like something comes up that mm. is unexpected mm. or these little arguments escalate or they compound in. And one of us usually stops and says, you know, there's something happening here. I, I need to just uh, my emotions or my heart right now is really frustrated, and I'm I just don't know why. And we pause and take some time. Well, it seems like Tim, it takes a little bit of reflection to realize yeah. that these problems uh, that have escalated or these little conflicts seem to have maybe something to them that uh, goes away when we stop, mm. recognize it, and seek God's hand, and we start to pray. So is one sign that this is spiritual warfare is that you can actually overcome a lot of this through prayer. Is is that a sign that maybe you've been in something that has a deeper nature to it, or, or would you suggest other ways? Um, let me make a couple – those are great questions. Let me make a couple comments. One, because Satan is in a war – against God, I think he's also a student of human warfare, mm-hmm. how humans wage war. So, in the book, I, I quote Bevan Alexander, uh, 
who's a military historian, and he asked the question, what's the one thing all successful generals have in common? Like, what's the one thing they all agree on? And his answer is, great generals realize that a rare attack distracts, dislocates, and often defeats an enemy physically by cutting him off from his supplies and reinforcements. So in other words, the only time you attack directly is when you have overwhelming force. Mm -hmm. This is shock and awe. Remember when we had the Mm -hmm. uh, war with Iraq? Satan seldom does that. Mm -hmm. Fascinating that he often attacks from the rear. So in the book of Genesis, where they're talking about Satan and Adam and Eve, it says the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field. In Hebrew, crafty literally means subtle, Mm. right? So, Chris, I think Satan takes a page out of human military history and often attacks us from the rear Mm. because otherwise, so think about it. If you and Elisa are ready to go to a conference and suddenly the temperature of the room Mm -hmm. goes to like below zero, you can see your breath and you (laughs) feel this demonic presence, Mm. what would be the reaction of you and Elisa in a heartbeat? Yeah, well, we would begin to pray. We would begin to to know, okay, Lord, just whether it was explicit or implicit, we would know immediately, yeah. So I think Satan goes, doesn't end around. And boy, if we had time, we could look at the Genesis passage where he's constantly doing the end around Eve. Did God really say this? Did he really do this? Did he say this? Did he do this? And so we see Satan being very crafty with Eve. And so I think a lot of times the spiritual attack, there's always going to be a little bit of an element of, I'm not totally sure what's going on here, but my point would be when in doubt, treated as spiritual battle. Okay. Here's what I'd like to do, Tim. I, I think in the next portion of this podcast, I want to talk about how this uh, that aspect of uh, the end around, the craftiness of the serpent, and then how do we fight back? Yeah. So yeah. let's do that. We'll be right back after a short break and come back to this topic. What do you think? Hey, this podcast is just one of several parts of our Center for Marriage and Relationships. If you'd like more resources on relationships... Take a look at our website for blogs, videos, online courses, and mentoring workbooks. Okay, we're back. So, Tim, when it comes to uh, this idea um, about spiritual battles, uh, spiritual warfare, and then defending our marriage, the word defending is a pretty, I think, a a well-chosen word because it does bring up this idea of a battle, right, and a defense that we do because we have an enemy who is coming at us. But you were just making a point that the enemy is crafty enough to not always go right you know in the front of the fight towards us but instead can be much more subtle and crafty and so the idea for listeners if they're out there would be well how can i tell if this is spiritual warfare so uh we each have some ideas and and i know you've done some thinking about this as well when it seems like it's clear are there any personal examples and other things you've read Uh, I'll, i'll give you one when we are out there and we're noticing that um, it just simply has a, a different qualitative feel sometimes, that there there are moments in time where we sense and we, we're pretty clear, we need to stop and pray right now. Mm. We need to do this. The, these things that are coming up, these issues, seem to almost feel slightly differently. But it's always difficult to go off of just that. Yeah, this yeah. feels differently. Yeah. There seems to be other examples or ways we can attempt to sense whether or not this is really the battle or the warfare we're thinking about. So what would you suggest? I I think, Chris, for me, it's this concept of a foothold. 
This is Ephesians 4.27, where Paul says, hey, do not give the devil a foothold. Now, what's interesting is right before that, he says that, he says, now listen, I don't want your anger, I don't want the sun to go down on your anger Mm -hmm. as not to give the devil a foothold. Mm -hmm. That foothold can be translated this way, do not give the devil a chance to exert his influence, is how that could be. Uh So, let's say this, Um, let's say Noreen and I were, were having a disagreement, and I think Noreen's wrong, she thinks I'm wrong. Well, I go to bed uh, angry at her, and in the morning, I feel the inclination, hey, we need to nip this in the bud, we need to sit down and have a conversation and really get to the bottom of this, but I'm too busy, mm-hmm. right? I-, I need to get to work. Um, so I leave, and I'm still kind of angry at her. Mm-hmm. So all throughout the day, when I think about this situation, right, I, I feel that anger surface a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Now I'm not having good thoughts towards Noreen. I'm kind of having neutral or bad thoughts. Here's what I think Satan is doing. He's probing to see if he can get a foothold. Mm-hmm. Is Tim fuel this anger, mm-hmm. right? And so when you go home tonight, instead of being generous towards your wife mm-hmm. or sitting down and saying, hey, let's have a conversation, let it stew one more day, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Watch TV, give a quick, curt good night, and go to bed. Now I've got a two day cycle, mm-hmm. and this anger is starting to cement a little bit. And hopefully, Satan is thinking we can get this towards bitterness. That's how the subtlety of it, to me, Chris, works. So I think Satan is constantly trying to influence negative impressions I might have of a person, anger, disappointment. And he's always probing to see if he can get a foothold to make it something bigger. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's really insightful from Paul's work in Ephesians four, Tim, and he continues even in that passage. Remember, he says to avoid that foothold. He, I love the way he tells something. He says, let all of these feelings that you're having, these footholds, the anger and the wrath and the bitterness and the mm. clamor and the yep. slander, what does he say? Put it away. Put it away far from you, right? Yeah. Uh, along with all of that malice. And he, so it's a very, um, almost a directive statement of, Put it away and then do what? Well, instead, be kind to one another, right? Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgive you. So he immediately says, you put this off and you put this on. And those are quick, good ways and measures of, am I ready to be tenderhearted? Can I forgive at this moment? And and that makes it, uh, everybody loves forgiveness. It's really easy to do, right? Everybody loves to say, oh, I I can treat another person with kindness. But in that moment when you have something to forgive, and that's when it can be very difficult. And when it's hard for you is at that moment where maybe you're most vulnerable. So my wife has done something that really bothers or irritates me, and I can just dwell on that. And to think about to put this off and to try and put on something is really one of the tests, I think, that Paul uses at the end of chapter four in Ephesians to talk about that. And Chris, that's why we're going to do a conference on this, right? Um, Because I don't think people know how to put it away. Like, I think it's great advice from Paul. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want you to put away malice, anger, clamor. But we look at that and we think, yeah, but how do do you put away an emotion that I feel like is really overwhelming me, Mm -hmm. right? And that's why I think we need to have a good conference teaching instruction Mm -hmm. from a multitude of sources, right? Psychologists, communication theorists. Hey, let me read you a quote from D. Uh, G. Kale, he's a Christian writer. I, I thought of this quote when we were talking about footholds. This is what he says. We do not fall in a moment. 
Rather, the predisposition yeah. to yield to sin has been forming, building, germinating, but not necessarily consciously so. Mm-hmm. Satan often plants subtle stimuli, often subliminal ones. He influences an attitude. He wins a minor victory, always in preparation for the big fall. He just described what happened in Genesis yeah. with Eve, right? And he just described what happens in many of our relationships, yeah. that, that little annoyance turns to anger, and if it's fed, turns to bitterness. Now we got a big problem. You know, it's so interesting, Tim, the connection to that with um, other areas, even in psychology, they find that people are asked, what are the big things in life that cause the most stress? And you know what they say? It's the little tiny daily hassles and annoyances mm. that actually can cause most of the problems for people, especially if they're not dealt with. It's not these great, big, gigantic, you know, life changes that occur. Those are horrible and rotten, yeah. but it's those day-to-day, everyday, little tiny things. And this seems to be one of the ways um, that we're facing a battle here when we're sensing a very important moment in time where we are knowing this is happening and sometimes we're hopefully more aware of it than not. And that awareness is something I'd like to talk to you about. How do we stay and become more aware of this? So, Yeah, so um, just for a second, go back to the leaky faucet. Mm-hmm. If I had to bet the house, this is what I'm going to say, Chris. I, I don't think Satan had a crescent wrench and loosened it so it would leak. But here's what he was looking at the entire time. Noreen could be thinking, but honey, I've, we've talked about this leak before, and I've asked you to kind of address it, mm-hmm. and you kind of put it off, and now we're leaving for a conference, and I'm frustrated. I'm mm-hmm. mad. And I'm like, well, Noreen, it's not like I didn't have a busy week. I mean, I did, right? I didn't. And I wanted to hire a plumber, but you wanted to save money. Now Satan's going, love this. Mm-hmm. This I'm going to stoke. This I'm going to fuel, and if I can get them to be mad tonight, Mm -hmm. and tomorrow they're driving to a marriage conference, Mm -hmm. oh, this is wonderfully fertile territory. Mm -hmm. That's how I think Satan went after the Mulehoffs that night, to be honest. Well, that's great. Uh, Let's continue this topic, um, and because I think there's a lot there, I'd love to hear a little bit more of your thinking on a couple of ways that we can now develop a plan and ways we can uh, defend ourselves in this marriage. I can't, I'm sorry, I can't be here because I go fix a faucet. (laughs) It's about time, baby. She called and left a message already. Can I borrow a crescent wrench? (laughs) Well, we're really glad you joined us for today's podcast. For more resources on marriage and relationships, visit our website at cmr.biola.edu. And we'll see you next time on The Art of Relationships.